Chapter Ten of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Sweeping Orders. The burning of Smoky Creek Bridge was hardly off the minds of the mountain men when a disaster of a different sort befell the division. In the Rat Valley east of Sleepy Cat. The main line springs between two ranges of hills with a dip and a long supported grade in each direction. At the point of the dip there is a switch from which a spur runs to a granite quarry. The track for two miles is straight, and the switch target and lights are seen easily from either direction save at one particular moment of the day, a moment which is in the valley neither quite day nor quite night. Even this disadvantage occurs to trains eastbound only, because due to unusual circumstances. When the sun in a burst of dawning glory shows itself above the crest of the eastern range, an engineman eastbound may be so blinded by the rays streaming from the rising sun that he cannot see the switch at the foot of the grade. For these few moments he is helpless should anything be wrong with the quarry switch down this grade a few weeks after the smoky creek fire came a double-headed stock train from the short line with forty cars of steers the switch stood open this much was afterward abundantly proved the train came down the grade very fast to gain speed for the hill ahead of it the head engineman too late saw the open target he applied the emergency air threw his engine over and whistled the alarm the mightiest efforts of a dozen engines would have been powerless to check the heavy train. On the quarry track stood three flat cars loaded with granite blocks for the abutment of the new Smoky Creek Bridge. On a sanded track, rolling at thirty miles an hour and screaming in the clutches of the burning brakes, the heavy engine struck the switch like an avalanche reared upon the granite-laden flats and with forty loads of cattle plunged into the canyon below not a car remained on the rails the head brakeman riding in the second cab was instantly killed and the engine crews who jumped were badly hurt the whole operating department of the road was stirred what made the affair more dreadful was that it had occurred on the time of number six the eastbound passenger train held that morning at sleepy cat by an engine failure glover came to look into the matter the testimony of all tended to one conclusion that the quarry switch had been thrown at some time between four thirty and five o'clock that morning inferences were many tramps during the early summer had been unusually troublesome and many of them had been rigorously handled by trainmen robbery might have been a motive as the express cars on train number six carried heavy specie shipments from the coast yet a means so horrible as well as so awkward and ineffective seemed unlike mountain outlaws strange men from headquarters were on the ground as soon as they could reach the wreck men from the special service department and a stock inspector who greatly resembled whispering smith was on the ground looking into the brands of the wrecked cattle glover was much in consultation with him and there were two or three of the division men such as anderson young mcleod and lee 
who knew him but could answer no inquiries concerning his long stay at the wreck a third and more exciting event soon put the quarry wreck into the background ten days afterward an eastbound passenger train was flagged in the night at sugar buttes twelve miles west of sleepy cat when the heavy train slowed up two men boarded the engine and with pistols compelled the engine man to cut off the express cars and pull them to the water tank a mile east of the station three men there in waiting forced the express car blew open the safe and the gang rode away half an hour later loaded with gold coin and currency had a stick of dynamite been exploded under the wickiup there could not have been more excitement at medicine bin within three hours after the news reached the town a posse under sheriff van horn with a carload of horseflesh and fourteen guns was started for sugar buttes the trail led north and the pursuers rode until nearly nightfall they crossed dutch flat and rode single file into the wooded canyon where they came upon traces of a campfire van horn leading jumped from his horse and thrust his hand into the ashes they were still warm and he shouted to his men to ride up as he called out a rifle cracked from the box elder trees ahead of him the sheriff fell shot through the head and a deputy springing from his saddle to pick him up was shot in precisely the same way through the head the riderless horses bolted the posse thrown into a panic did not fire a shot and for an hour dared not drive back for the bodies after dark they got the two dead men and at midnight rode with them into sleepy cat when the news reached mccloud he was talking with bucks over the wires bucks had got into headquarters at the river late that night and was getting details from mccloud of the sugar buttes robbery when the superintendent sent him the news of the killing of van horn and the deputy in the answer that buck sent came a name new to the wires of the mountain division and rarely seen even in special correspondence but huey morrison who took the message never forgot that name indeed it was soon to be thrown sharply into the spotlight of the mountain railroad stage huey repeated the message to get it letter perfect to handle stuff at the wickiup signed j s b was like handling diamonds on a jeweler's tongs or arteries on a surgeon's hook and in truth buck's words were the arteries and pulse beat of the mountain division huey handed the message to mccloud and stood by while the superintendent read whispering smith is due in cheyenne to-morrow meet him at the wickiup sunday morning he has full authority i have told him to get these fellows if it takes all the money in the treasury and not to stop until he cleans them out of the rocky mountains j s b end of chapter ten